Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the place I talk about many different aspects of my stay at home dad life. Things with my kids, my family, my marriage, having a, a better relationship in all of those areas. I talk about men's mental and physical wellness, parenting struggles that I have and deal with on a regular basis, tips I have, as well as other tips that I read about and research. Also random things that just pop into my head and spark this internal dialogue I have with myself that I find intriguing. I come on here and I share with you. So I hope something in there is enjoyable or informational, educational, something to that degree. But anyways, thank you for tuning in today. What a week. What a weekend this last weekend was. Let me give you a little recap quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show. I created hopefully more core memories for my daughters, Olivia and Kennedy, this last weekend. We all participated in this big school event here that's put on by the Dads Club. Dads Club here is just the dads of kids that they get together, they get some funding from the school, and they plan cool things for the kids to do. Well, this last weekend was Dad's Camp Out. A chilly event, I'll be honest, but it's where we all get tents and we take our kids to the school. We, we set up all these tents in the field around the school and we literally camp out at the school. It's kind of, kind of cool, like kind of unique. I don't think a lot of schools really do this. And then the dads cook up a bunch of food. We eat dinner there and the kids play and play on the playground and they watch a movie on a big screen and they do s'mores and do all these cool activities. The kids, of course, run around like little maniacs with their friends for an hour or two before it's lights out. And my girls were pumped for this event and they, they had a blast. They had one of the best times, but <laughs> camping mid-October is, I think, a little hit or miss here in the Midwest. It was a little cold, to say the least. It got down into the 40s or so and you know what? Dad didn't bring enough bedding, at least for me. I didn't bring enough bedding. I was a little cold, but you know, we all survived. We made it. The kids loved it. And that's who we do it for, right? That's who we do it for. We do it for the kids. They said they were warm, shockingly. Maybe their sleeping bags are warmer than mine, but they, uh, they had a great time. And oh my gosh, though, you don't realize how many kids cough all freaking night long. Oh, it is a lot, especially when you get them in paper thin tents set up one by one right next to each other. Talk about a hacking, coughing, just palooza all night long. I would say out of control, but it probably wouldn't be very nice of me because it was including my own. I'm not an innocent bystander here. One of my daughters was uh, hacking it up all night as well, but Jesus, it's just something you don't think about when you're sitting at home. But it's funny though, seeing my kids, my youngest daughter, Kennedy, running around and playing with her friends, and she's got this close bond with them, and then I see my older daughter actually put herself out there and, and meet a couple of new friends and go hang out with them all evening, and it's exciting and sad at the same time. They're just off doing their own thing, and I'm I'm sad dad hanging out with the other dads and doing my thing. 
but they're just off being themselves and having a good time. And, and I think that's the surprising part for me. We all think we have more time, right? Or that we'll do this later or we'll do it next time. But there's going to come this point where our kids don't want to hang out with us like they used to. They would rather go off with their friends. And I'm witnessing this right now. We just all think that we have this time with our kids and, you know, we don't. And it kind of sucks. It, it does kind of suck to see dads not doing these things with their kids. Just not the camping aspect and doing all that, but just the true bonding time, that true time you get with your kids at, at this young age. And I also know that not everyone has the time that I have to do this, but I'm just saying, it'll be gone before we know it. So uh, let's just really try to make the best of it and take our kids up on these opportunities that we have that we may be sleeping on. And no, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm not trying to drag anybody here or talk shit on you for not doing everything that I do because I don't do that. But if what I say makes you think, oh, yeah, hmm, I should do more, then go do more. If what I say encourages you to stop preoccupying yourself with nonsense and go do something with your kid, then go do something with your kid. Awesome. Like, do that. Let this be the trigger that you need to disengage from one thing and focus on something else. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's move on here. Enough of the recap. Let's get into a little bit more kid talk, though. Let's do that and talk about lazy kids. That's the main topic of today's show. Now, I could talk about me being lazy for an hour. Like I said, I'm not perfect. I I mean, I just just wasted 30 minutes scrolling on YouTube shorts. It's like, ugh, man. Lazy, yes. But anyways, I think this comes up a lot where we are busy parenting and staying busy running a house. So when we see our kids couching it watching TV or sucked into their game or their iPad or whatever, or when they're reluctant to participate in a certain activity or sport, sometimes it can alarm us or actually even bother us. But Thinking about this whole thing before I started this show, I don't think kids look at this the way that we do. When I accomplish nothing some days, where I get my kids off to school and then I proceed to do little to nothing the whole day. I don't run errands. I don't clean my house. I don't go to the store. I don't work on my projects. If I just waste my day, I feel like ass. I feel defeated. I feel like I failed for that day. So I was wondering, do kids feel this way? Do kids ever, you know, have that same reaction? And I don't think they do. I even searched on Google a little bit trying to find an answer and I came up empty. I don't think they have the forethought to do that. They just live, you know, day by day and what happens happens. And it's life. Didn't get my homework done, no biggie. Wanted to do a puzzle and I didn't have time because mom and dad said we had to go to bed. Bummed, but they move on, right? There's no deadlines to really worry about. They just go about and go through their routine and 
and we structure their days, right? So they don't really think about, oh, I didn't get this done, and they beat themselves up about it. I don't think they do that. And I'm not necessarily trying to change that or turn them into miniature adults, especially too soon, who worry about everything and stress about everything and stress about getting things done. Like, no way am I trying to do that to my kids. Like, we want to keep our kids from that as long as possible, right? But we also want our kids to value themselves, to know that they have the ability to do hard things. And if they work hard, they can achieve their goals, right? And according to this article I'm referencing today on fatherly.com, when kids know and do that, they have a higher sense of self-esteem and a higher chance of finding success. Both great things, right? That's what we want for our kids. And I know I talked about kids doing hard things a few weeks ago, so I hope this is a little bit different. It's kind of preventing them from being lazy. I don't really know how that's going to all blend in. Maybe more creating self-starters, hard workers, finding that balance between being spirited and being lazy. At least that's what I'm going for. We'll see what turns out. All right, psychiatrist Laura Dabney in today's article states that the key here is to make sure kids love the process and take pride in hard work. And in fact, all lessons about being hardworking should be taught from this perspective to make sure that they love the process and they take pride in their work. And well, that's, yeah, that's the goal, right? So let's get into a few examples that parents who raise hardworking kids do, at least according to her. Number one, they complain about work as little as possible at home or in front of the kids. I've talked about this many times in the few years I have been doing this podcast. Kids hear everything. Is there anyone that doesn't get that? That kids listen to everything that we do, even when they think, or even when we think that they are not paying attention. They listen to what we are saying. Even if we're having a conversation with our spouse, an adult conversation, we may think that they're playing their little video game or doing their homework or reading their book. When we complain about the boss or the hard project or how big of a dick my coworker was today for, I don't know, doing something, when in reality, they're, they're mopping it all up. They are listening to how we tell stories. They're listening to how we talk to one another. And they're listening to our negative attitude towards our job, towards our hard thing. Now, I don't think we need to paint this unrealistic picture of unicorns and rainbows and we go to work and we sing songs and have parties and, and, and do circle time and, and, you know, all that stuff. Like, like, that's not work. I don't think we need to fill our kids with that type of expectation that that's where we're going. But we can change the way we talk about it in front of them. The article says that even if a day was frustrating, we still need to model that work can be enjoyable and fulfilling which I do agree with, but I think we can still express that, hey, this project I had at work was really hard or really challenging, but I'm proud that I worked hard and I got it done. I don't think we want to build up work as this mystical place that is always fun and enjoyable, but also that it's not a prison, right? 
I think we need to find that balance and make sure to express our accomplishments that we make there in a more positive light than just coming home and bitching about it all the time. Because I don't know, I don't want to give my kids this false sense of that that's work, that it's, or that's your career, that it's just this mystical place that's fairy dreamland and it's, you know, your, your boss talks to you in a soft spoken voice and, and, you know, this and this and that, like, I don't want to necessarily do that either. So I think there is a balance there. All right, number two, they say they let their kids struggle. Now, maybe you're like me, and maybe you struggle with this one a little bit, stepping in a little bit too soon. You get in a hurry, and you just want to get it done. You know, that's me sometimes. Not letting them figure out the ridiculous conundrum that they got themselves in or the problem that they're working on on their own. They say if we want our kids to experience that satisfaction of overcoming something, even if it's on a mini scale, we must let them accomplish as much as they can on their own and not step in there and be Superman and save the day. We need to guide them through the problem solving rather than just providing the immediate solution. You know, let them struggle a little bit to tie their shoe, especially if they're working on it. I've been reading with my younger daughter, Kennedy, and it's bedtime. You know, we're stressing. We just, as a parent, and you just want to get your kid to bed and just move on with your evening and relax, right? And turn parent brain off and just hang out with your spouse, right? But she's in this mode of reading right now. She's learning to read and looking at sight words and doing all this stuff. And she wanted to read this book. And I had this kind of moment last night when I was putting her to bed and she wanted to read. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to take 20 minutes. But I like pumped my brakes a little bit. And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's work through it together. Let's slow down. And... I let her struggle with it instead of me just jumping in and reading the words and just getting the book done and getting her to bed and moving on with my evening. I let her struggle with it and sound words out. And if she needed help, I would help her. And if she didn't need help and I helped her, she would call me out on it. So it was kind of a, a fun little moment that I had with her. So anyways, instead of providing that immediate solution and letting them struggle a little bit when success is met, then we can praise them for getting it done or doing that task. Now, I don't necessarily like to just heap praise and just good job them and add a boy and all that stuff. I would rather praise their effort and their hard work. Like say, wow, that was really hard. How did you, how did you do that? Hey, how did you read that word? How did you know what kind of sound that made? Or what technique did you use to finish that? Granted, I would say what technique, and my daughter would say, what does technique mean? But you, you get the point. You know, instead of just giving the bland accolade, like good job, try to praise their journey and not just the result. All right, number three, they say to never say because I said so. Now, I remember this as a kid. I imagine all of us, you know, 30 and 40-year-old people, what is that, millennials? Is that, is that a millennial? Anyways, we... We probably heard this saying a lot growing up. You know, I, I heard this plenty. I, I didn't necessarily like it because I said so. But, you know, hey, I was a kid and that was part of life. It was always said back then and it kind of still is said today. Even with my own kids, I've caught myself saying this to them. 
when they would ask why they had to do something. And I would just be like, well, because I said so. Now, Dabney says that relying on this saying does not serve kids in the long run, and we should really adjust to something more like, hey, this is your problem, I believe in you, and you can solve this on your own, instead of, because I said so. Because at some point, she says, kids will be on their own, and there will be no one telling them to do the dishes because I said so, or finish your college homework because I said so. So we need to kind of bring in a few other reasons, maybe kind of actually explain stuff a little bit. And that's what I've actively been trying to adjust in my own parenting, trying to explain to my young girls the reason that we do things. And maybe I get a little like too explainy, but I'll say things like, well, we want clean spaces, right? So you can go clean your bathroom or... Isn't it nice getting into a made bed? That's why we make our bed, because it's enjoyable getting into that at the end of the day. Or isn't it nice brushing your teeth in a clean sink? Or coming up to your playroom and it's all dialed in and organized? It's nice to play up here because it's not just this big, crazy pigsty mess. So I try to give them a lot of different reasons like that. And then when they finish their task, whatever it is, cleaning the sink or making their bed or picking up their toys, I say, hey, you did that. Be proud of your hard work right there. Like, take a look at that and kind of enjoy that moment and build them up that way instead of just saying, because I said so. And of course, sometimes after explaining stuff repeatedly over and over and over again, then comes out the because I said so, because I'm just like, damn girl, you could have done all of your work in the time it took me to explain this whole process to you. And then it gets kind of frustrating or you know, if you're in a rush to do something or go somewhere, then sure, you say, because I said so, or we got to go, we got to do it, and just get on with our lives. All right, number four. She says, hardworking kids come from parents that respect their kids' temperament and interests. Dabney says, parents need to be open-minded and not have a certain idea of what being hardworking is and should look like within their kids, because kids will likely have different interests and talents than them, than us as parents. She goes on to say that we need to make sure kids enjoy working hard by working with their own personalities and what actually matters to them. And forcing them to work hard at what they don't care about exclusively and not allowing them to chase their passions at the same time can lead to some serious unhappiness later. I agree with that. I think we need to A, let them find their passions and B, work hard at those things that they love and make sure that they have time for those things and get a chance to explore different passions as well. But also, at the same time, there's going to be a lot of shit that we need to accomplish that we're not passionate about at all. And we can still be proud of the hard work that we do in that area as well. She gives an example here of saying one kid may be studious and chase, you know, the A, working hard on things in school and math, while the other may find it more fulfilling to build a Lego city. But it's like, okay, sure. One of those things is studies, and one is clearly playing, right? So, of course, kids are going to be drawn more, and they're going to want to work hard on the, the Lego tower than math facts. You know, I'm just saying that's just common sense to me. All right, number five here, moving on. They help out in the right way. She says, just because we want kids to do hard work doesn't mean they should be left to struggle without a sense of support behind them. Just like I mentioned, when I stepped in too early, we also don't want to step in too late or maybe not at all. 
She says we need to watch our kids' frustration level versus their level of satisfaction and step in when the frustration gets to be too much. Because when they're older and they work too hard without breaks or with a ton of frustration or with frustration levels extremely high, it can damage their health mentally, emotionally, and even physically. According to this article anyways, it doesn't really say how, but they say it does. Now, I've had this happen just the other day, actually. My daughter was working on her math for school, and she got so frustrated doing math tables that she started just totally breaking down and crying. And I pushed probably too much, kept trying to get her to focus and just tell her to get it done and all that. And then my wife kind of stepped in and asked our daughter, hey, do you need some time to just go off on your own and calm down and to relax? And she said she did. So we hit that moment where, you know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Me continuing to explain math was doing no good. It was, it was just building on her frustration. She's capable, but she was just checked out and burned out and... That's, I think, what we kind of have to be aware of sometimes, that when that juice isn't worth that squeeze, the frustration is outweighing the satisfaction of having done that hard work, then we need to kind of recalibrate. It's kind of interesting how when the frustration level is more than the satisfaction level, how she says that that can damage, you know, our, our mental health and all that stuff, it kind of correlates to adulthood, doesn't it? And, and us working our normal nine to five jobs and, and how our frustration level and ultimately unhappiness level can really affect our health. So I could see not wanting to have our kids go through that same thing as well. It's kind of interesting to me. Now, the last thing that Dabney mentions here that parents do is understand that this is all a big process, that we need to relax a little bit and realize that this is a lot of give and take. She says it's okay to change things up, make tasks a little bit more doable, and make their path sometimes a little easier to kind of regulate their frustration. And just because they don't want to do math tables in third grade doesn't mean that they're going to end up sleeping on your couch when they're in their late 20s, okay? So don't panic, don't freak out if your kid's a little lazy, don't freak out if they don't have that drive. It's not the end of the world. Now, what if our kids hate it or hate the process? I mean, let's get real a little bit here. Sometimes, a lot of times, getting them to do stuff can be a total pain in the ass, right? Especially if it's something that they don't necessarily like. And sure, there's going to be plenty of those things with chores and homework and other mundane tasks. But what if we know it's something that they do like and they maybe just suck at it and they just want to quit right away? How do we steer them to enjoy it and conquer it and feel that satisfaction? Because I think that's why most kids don't like certain things is because the first time they try, they're not perfect at it. Maybe it's drawing or art or reading, sports, riding a bike, playing basketball. You know, they, they, the idea is, oh, yeah, I want to play basketball. That sounds awesome. And then they try it for five minutes, and they're like, oh, this blows. This sucks. I don't like it. In reality, they say that because they're not amazing at it. It's that, that lack of delayed gratification. So what can we do? Well, 
We can make sure that we show them and teach them patience and perseverance. Tell them it's okay to struggle. It's okay to make mistakes. That it's just, that's part of the journey. That's how we grow and that's how we improve. I like to remind them of other tasks my kids have done in the past. That, hey, you were pissed about learning this and look at you now and remind them how far they've come with those things. Talk to my daughter about reading, my older daughter, where she would learn sight words and she would get so mad and frustrated. And, it, and her doing these math tables reminds me of that two and a half years ago. And I have to remind her of that and say, hey, do you remember how hard that was for you? You were, you were terrible at it or you thought you were terrible. You couldn't get it. You would cry. You were frustrated. And now here, two and a half years later, she's like an amazing reader. She reads above her grade level. She loves reading. And it's just like I have to remind her of where she kind of started. Sometimes I use myself as an example as well, that I'm still learning a lot of things. And a lot of things are still hard for me. We can also help them set realistic expectations that getting good at a skill like shooting hoops takes time. It takes practice. And at the same time, remind them, like I said, how far they've come and especially not to compare themselves to little Johnny down the street or little Sally at school. Like just worry about how far you've come, not how far they've come or how much better you think they are than you. We also need to make sure that we keep it fun that we add little moments of play and enjoyment into the learning process. Make it silly. Make a fun little game out of it. Instead of just constantly grinding on them to do more and do better and keep going and keep going, like, let's relax a little bit and try to make it kind of fun. Because if it's not fun and learning's not fun, then they're going to be less apt to do it, I think. I know we want them to excel, but if we kill all the fun, you know, then what? With that too, we need to make sure that we're supportive and encouraging when we can be. Let them know that they can come to us for help with questions or if they need to just vent their frustrations, then we can help them and even paint a little picture of where they will be in the future if they keep working toward their goal. Help them envision, hey, just think where you're going to be in two weeks from now or a month from now and help them kind of understand that. And if all else fails... Try bribery. Try a little money. That might help, right? I did this once with my girls. I asked them to draw a picture of whatever they wanted, and I would pay them. I think it was 50 cents. And god dang, like, wow. It was detailed. It told a story. It had a lot of elements to it, and it was, it was fun. They had a blast doing it. They, they thought it was great. And honestly, you could do that with a lot of stuff. And sure, someone could tell me that I'm wrong. And if so, uh, let me know in a DM. Send me a message and uh, tell me what you think about incentivizing with dollars. But I think, you know, if we incentivize just a little bit here and there, I don't really see the harm. So when all else fails, that's also an option. Anyways, that's about all I have for today's episode of Stay at Home Dad's podcast. Some pretty basic stuff, I know, but helpful. I really do think it's kind of helpful. One of my worst fears is raising my kids and them, you know, not wanting to excel at anything, not wanting to take on the world or take on a challenge. They just want to do the easy or the lazy way. So that kind of scares me. They would lock themselves in a room to not socialize with anybody and, 
and play video games all day, yeah, that's, uh, it happens. And some kids are like that, and I really don't want that for mine. And I don't think you want that for yours either. So let's just kind of do what we can to cultivate driven kids. Anyways, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for me, please reach out to podbean.com. You can get a hold of me there. Or DM me on my Instagram account at stayathomedads underscore podcast and let me know. Until then, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you all next week.